right, good morning. Man, uh, it, it is always on Sunday a great time and a, and a focus upon just worshiping Jesus. And it's not a holiday for us. Man, that's every Sunday. And, and truthfully, it's, it's every, every day, uh, the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. Isn't that true? It's nice to have a holiday and, and families gather usually or at times. But uh, unfortunately, our gathering is, is we're not unable to do that. I, I do want to say that the, I don't know whether you've been paying attention to the, the state of Kansas, the governor's decision and, and then legislation and, and lawsuits and other things happening. Uh, our decision came a long time ago when uh, they were uh, laying out this, this is the way we ought to respond. This is how to care for us. We need to do the social distancing can't be touching we've, we've got to be careful and uh, from I want to let you know that our leadership from the get-go has said uh, and made the decision I believe that decision was absolutely based upon love we love our congregation and there are there are those within our congregation that would be susceptible to this uh, this uh, virus uh, there are those uh, that we care about and, and in no way do we want to cause uh, that that virus to spread within our congregation it's also love for our community man you know you know the preaching if, if you've been with me uh, our focus is not just inward to the church it's outward to this community people who don't know Jesus uh, what a message we want to share and that message is always going to be accompanied by love and our loving our community so part of this too is we're not going to be a part of of spreading uh, this virus uh, as you know getting it when we gather and then spreading it as we scatter and so uh, I just felt that was important to, to mention to you we we love you guys I and and uh, uh, Matthew is kind of reading off names I'm so glad that you're here uh, even Cornelia hi Cornelia man uh, uh, Cornelia Butler uh, say good job Eric I just want to pass that on to you uh, that came through my text so some of you are not understanding the the Google uh, messaging, but that's okay. It's still good to hear from you. Uh, what helps me instead of sitting in front of a camera is is seeing the names, and uh, for me, I see that I see you folks sitting there on Sunday morning, uh, there worshiping, and and that image is in my mind. That really helps me in in preaching to a camera, uh, because I know that many of you are watching. Love you guys. Uh, I want to get in, you know, fi actually finishing up our series. Uh, and I, in, in doing that, I'm going to go back to the very first uh, few verses that we read in beginning this. Uh, the series is called New Reality. And we've been walking actually through this book of Corinthians, not chapter by chapter, which I enjoy uh, doing most, uh, but actually the subjects that Paul dealt with. Uh, and, and this verse, these verses really... Uh, comes to kind of a, 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 a towards a conclusion for Paul, what we're about to read. Remember where we've been is we've talked about the unity we're called to in Christ. We're called to a sexual purity. We're called to loving, and, and that specific loving is, is within the body. And it is not just loving. It is a, a, an amazing kind of love, the kind of love that God has had for us that goes beyond our own wants and concerns and, and goes into the, the needs and concerns of others. Uh, it is a sacrificial love. Uh, 
the verses I wanted to read for you is, is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Again, this is a reminder of where we were uh, when we first began this. Uh, especially, I want you to notice that Paul is, is, is identifying the stance of the Christian believers. Here's what he says. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Each of those, according to the scriptures, is not referring back to the early early part of the Gospels or early part of the New Testament. It is referring back to uh, hundreds of years prior to Jesus even coming, the prophecies that were laid out. Uh, you might make a note, Isaiah uh, 52, 53 are great passages of scripture written about a suffering Savior who is going to come. It, the, the fact that that we stand upon a gospel message. And that message, I want to be clear, is what Paul laid out there in, in verses 3 and 4. That Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, laid in the tomb, and that on the third day he rose again. And those verses, the, the, the scripture is laid it out well before Jesus even came. We're focusing on that, that uh, uh, perspective of the resurrection, and it's powerful. Um, when we speak about new reality, this resurrection has brought us a new reality. Uh, we live a new reality because Jesus has risen from the dead. And, and this morning, I want to share with you the powerful realities that, that's coming out of chapter 15 that, that Paul is, is clearly identifying. So, so first of all, the, the, the first powerful reality that, that comes about because of the resurrection is this. The resurrection of Jesus has given us a sound foundation to take our stand. When I say take our stand, it means to, to stand upon our faith. It's where we set our faith upon and, and what moves us and directs our lives. Now, the, the Corinthians, again, in verse 1, had already been there. They've taken their stance uh, and, and it is upon that gospel message. Now, chapter 15 comes up like much of what we see throughout Corinthians. There's a problem with these Corinthians. Uh, just to go back and think. Now, the Corinthians was pretty much a new congregation. Uh, it, it's it's pretty, pretty young. Matter of fact, uh, uh, Paul clearly identifies them as being immature. Uh, they are said to be prideful. In chapter 4, I, I, I wanted to read one verse that comes in there because he identifies some of their problems. It's like here they are mature, and yet uh, they themselves think they're really mature. And, and Paul even kind of addresses the fact that, oh, you, you think you have everything in Christ. Here, here's what he says in verse 8. He says, already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have begun to reign. Um, so, so they've already received everything in Jesus. There's nothing else. There's, there's no other uh, growth. They're, they're there. And Paul even has said himself, we haven't, had, we haven't taken thrones. We're, you know, matter of fact, we're still out in the trenches 
uh, going through persecutions, going through difficulties and troubles. And, and here you're, you're seating on, on, being seated upon thrones. Well, these Corinthians continue to have struggles and that's the reason overall for this letter to be written is correction. Another area of correction so happens to be concerning the resurrection. If we look to verse 12 in this passage, uh, Paul identifies it. Here he says in verse 12, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So it's not the whole congregation, but there are some, we will call them believers, amongst that body of believers who believe that they're, hey, they're saying there is no resurrection. You see, I, I believe that there were some of the Corinthians who were looking forward to the resurrection that is promised because of what Jesus had, had accomplished. But there are some who are contrary to that. I, I, I believe that we need to be on the same page. One of the, one of the things that's, that's so troubling is Paul lays out, if we continue to read in here, of, of what it means if Jesus did not raise from the dead. If, if he is not alive, what does it mean to us? Paul says that his preaching is useless, which definitely if Paul's preaching is useless, and if Jesus didn't, because Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then what am I doing here? <laughs> what are you doing here? Uh, it, it, we, we have nothing to say. It, it's useless. I'm, I'm wasting air. And, and Paul also says that your faith is useless. That, that your belief is useless. It, it also goes into the place of saying that, um, uh, well, let, let, let's think just a little bit about where we've been. Uh, co combination of the two things. This has caused the, the, uh, uh, the Corinthians to stand, the gospel message. And then when he goes through this book, there is, a, uh, there is no reason for us, if Christ hasn't risen, to be united in the way that Paul identifies, to have a unity, uh, to be able to cross the kind of barriers that we cross uh, amongst the believers within our congregation, to cross the world. The, the, we might as well let the barrier stand. There is, there's really no need for the kind of unity that we're called to. There's no need for us to be uh, uh, sexually pure, as he mentioned in, in, within uh, what we've learned here previously. And there is no reason to call us such a to, to such a magnificent love for one another, a sacrificial kind of love all throughout, if, if Jesus hasn't raised from the dead. He also includes this. If Jesus hasn't raised from the dead, you're still in your sinfulness. You, that sinfulness within you still exists. Again, your faith uh, is, is useless. And also, those who have gone on before us, who have died, they are lost as well. It is a sad thought to think that Jesus has not raised from the dead. In verse 20, in verse 20 of this chapter, Paul comes and, and he identifies. And I, I think Paul would, if he were speaking, he would shout this out. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. To understand that first fruits, you could continue reading. But what he means by that, it is Jesus who went before us. And in his raising, we know we, we're going to follow in line. If, we're been, if we've been like him in his death, we're going to be like him in his resurrection. Uh, to understand that even better, a verse comes along and says, Well, Adam was the first fruits of death. 
because of sinfulness. He, he was the first one who within him came that corruption of death. But in Jesus came that, that wonderful uh, life that, that's being promised to us. And he proved it and he, he guaranteed it through his own resurrection. I, 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 I think it's so important for us to see that um, uh, Jesus is, is definitely, it's valuable because it's being preached. We have something to speak about. You have a faith that stands firm. Uh, we're not a people to be pitied. We're, we're not doing these things in vain. It is because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Now, I, I, there's, there's a, a gospel song that, that I'm reminded of because when Paul says, hey, Jesus has indeed been raised, it's not like the song, uh, He Lives. Uh, many of you will know it. If, if you were raised in the church, He lives, He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me. He, he uh uh, it, it goes on, it says um, uh, at the end, you ask me how I know he lives. And the last phrase, it says, he lives within my heart. And that's, the, well, that's how you know he lives is because he lives with, within my heart. And, and definitely we could identify Jesus because of the transformation in, in each of us. But Paul didn't go there. Paul didn't say, hey, you, you Corinthians need to believe Jesus because he lives within my heart. I want you to know that Paul went to some solid evidence. Earlier, if, if you go back and read this chapter later, you're going to see that Paul mentioned Cephas, or who was Peter. Uh, Peter saw Jesus, the resurrected Savior. Each of the apostles saw Jesus, the res resurrected Savior. There are 500 people at one time were eyewitnesses to the raised Savior. Uh, there's also James, the brother of Jesus, who, who many believe that really he didn't become a believer until after the resurrection. Matter of fact, became a believer because of the resurrection. Uh, and Thomas, we know, uh, Thomas isn't mentioned by, uh, by uh, uh, Paul, but I wouldn't mention him because he, he was full of doubts. Hey, man, I, you guys are claiming to see him. I haven't seen him, and unless I touch him and I see him with my own eyes, I'm not going to believe. These are people who would want to believe and, and, and refuse to believe unless they had hardcore evidence in front of them. Paul didn't give just simple answers, well, believe because it's in my heart. Paul gave solid evidence because there are eyewitnesses, even in the time of the Corinthians, they were still alive and they could be talked to and how they've seen. And Paul himself is an eyewitness of that res resurrected Savior. We have a solid foundation. Hey, we have a solid foundation to stand upon. He is alive. He has risen. Now, another powerful reality I think is real important within this chapter 15 is that this resurrection of Jesus establishes our hope for eternal life. Uh, beginning in verse 35, Paul answers another question. He said, how are the, you know, someone asked, how are the dead raised or, or, or what kind of body will they come? I find it, you know, puzzling in verse 36 he calls him how foolish. And, and, and just, to, just to say that, that I, th I think what was probably happening, those who were saying, hey, there is no resurrection, there might have been some mocking going on. Oh, yeah, sure, well, bodies are going to come back to life. And, and uh, uh, who knows how, how, how they might have been uh, speaking. But anyway, Paul addresses this foolishness of saying there is no resurrection. Matter of fact, he goes into the simplest example of taking a seed and saying, you know what? Well, you know what happens to a seed that's planted in the ground. 
Well, that seed dies, but out of that seed springs forth life. He uses this terminology. He said, this body that is perishable, perishable, that is mortal, becomes imperishable and immortal. Perishable, we understand. And I mean, we have some great people around us, some, some wonderful people, uh, uh, older folks who, who already realize that this body is perishable. We have several folks who, who can't see or, or are not seen as well, uh, many who can't hear as well, uh, those who are dealing with tremble, uh, trembling and, and other kind of diagnosis uh, of just becoming older and know that this body is not, not forever. Replacing knees, replacing, I mean, it's just happening as we get older. These bodies begin to wear down and they are, they are not immortal. They are not imperishable. But in the planting of the seed, in the planting when the body dies, what this resurrection means is that we're going to get new bodies. Uh, new bodies. And matter of fact, later on, Paul says, not a body of flesh and blood, but a spiritual body. Or another way someone puts it, not a natural body, but a supernatural body. Now understand this, that our eternity is in existence with God to be with him, to walk with him. And that can't be in flesh and blood. That's going to be in the imperishable. I, I just want to share, uh, especially when it comes to some of the services I've held for those saints who've gone on before. This is an encouraging and, and even, again, places hope within us for what is to come. Verse 54, I'm just going to read these verses that follow. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. He said, when, another way to put that is when we die. But Paul, in what he's been saying, he says, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that, has, that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, to, to think that we would worry and, and be troubled by death. But for those of us who, who know and believe in the, the resurrection of Jesus, death is nothing. It is, it is a, a, a passing from a, a flawed body to something that is perfected, that is imperishable, and that is immortal. And, and that's exciting, what we have promised before us. Verse 56 says, the, the, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Understand this. Oh, yeah, we could say, well, yeah, Jesus died for us. But what, what difference does the resurrection make in that? Uh, Jesus died, and did he have to raise well, the resurrection, I believe in one of the songs Eric chose, it, it identifies that. What the resurrection reveals to us or gives us that guarantee that if we've been like him in his death, we'll be like him in his resurrection. Jesus was that perfect lamb that could not be held by this curse of death and rose from the dead. And you and I, boy, we, we would be covered in that sinfulness or that corruption except for that blood of Jesus He's made the way. Jesus lives. He lives. And, and there is no, uh, no fear of death. Matter of fact, what we have today is a hope for an eternity.
and the resurrection that comes uh, through the through promises uh, of Jesus Christ. There is one other powerful reality I wanted to share with you this morning. It comes in verse 58. Uh, this reality is that the, through the power of, of Jesus, uh, through the resurrection of Jesus, uh, it changes my priorities uh, in this life. It changes my outlook. It changes my priorities. It changes my life. I don't go ahead and continue to live as I do because Jesus lives, because of the promises, because of what we're called to. Uh, let's, let's read verse 58. Therefore, he says, therefore, my dear friends, and this is how Paul concludes all this talk about re uh, resurrection. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Uh, there it is again. He, he mentions that in the first verse and he concludes in the first verse. This is our lives now. It is lives that just say, claiming to have faith. It is lives that are lived according to the faith we have in Jesus. And we stand firm in it. Uh, we, we stand, as a matter of fact, he says, stand firm, let nothing move you. We're standing in, in, in a world that has a current of unbelief, that has a, a, a current of sinfulness and rebellion. And in that, that's where we stand against that flow. We no longer live according to this world. We uh, live according to, to the transformation, the changing, the, the, even the changing of our mind and ideas. Our priorities have changed. Our views have changed. Our life is now different in Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, always give yourselves, in the view of this resurrection, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. You hear that? Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not useless. Paul started and, and, and revealed all that, the perspective, if Jesus didn't die. But he rose from the dead. He lives today. We have a reason to, to, to pursue and to live the unity that we're called to. There's a reason for us to live the, uh, the righteousness, the holiness he's called us. Not living in sexual uh, immorality, but in sexual purity. There's a reason for us to love an amazing kind of love that values the needs and the concerns of others even more than ourselves. That's what Jesus did. We are called to, to, to a work that, that we as, a, as, as we function together as a body, encouraging and strengthening, that part we're having a part of enabling others to grow. We also have a part of calling to a community that doesn't know Jesus that he lives and that there is a message and that there is an eternity ahead for those who believe and trust in him. Listen, listen. The church does not exist because we gather together. Understand that. The, the church continues to exist. The church does not exist because we gather together. The church exists because Jesus lives. Woo Ooh, there you go. Good place to tie off. I, I want to pray for us this morning. I want you to understand there is absolutely more than any other holiday or, or anything. Every Sunday and every day, there is no other greater reason for us to celebrate than the foundation we stand upon. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he rose from the dead. He lives today. I, here, here's the challenge. Uh, I don't know whether someone's there today that has been 
really considering receiving Jesus as their Savior. And, and if you're there, if, if you don't have questions before you, I, let's do it. Let's not wait till we are able to come together. We still have the baptistry, water still in it. We can warm it up and, and maybe a, a small group, social distancing, all that could happen. It, it comes in, in through that repentance for my sinfulness and then receiving Jesus and through that act of baptism. Uh, please, please let us know. If you have questions, man, uh, you, you, your interest is there. You have questions. I want to deal with you honestly, genuinely with any questions that you might have. Also, uh, uh, just, just please, if there's a need of repentance, please, we don't have to wait till we get together. Uh, please, please reach out to someone and pray with someone. Maybe they're in your family, or if you're alone, please give someone a call. And uh, uh, our our whole pursuit is that we continue to grow in Jesus, to grow in Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us right now for this decision time. And and please contact us if there's questions or if you are making a decision today and you want us to be a part of that. Let's 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 pray. Father in heaven, we praise you for Jesus always. Lord, he is the foundation for which we stand upon. We, we praise you for the death that he so willingly went to the cross on our behalf to serve us, to provide for us a salvation, to atone for our sinfulness, our brokenness. Lord, we don't deserve this. That's why we, we could clearly identify your grace. It's not about our works. It's not about what we do. It is all about what Jesus has done. That's where we stand. We praise you, Lord, for his resurrection that gives us power. Lord, that resurrection, that life is living within us today through Jesus. And we, all we could say is thank you, God. We praise you for that. We ask, Lord, that you continue to be our strength. For those who are making decisions, Lord, please strengthen them. Please help them to, to, to think of that person to reach out to, to, to speak to, whether it's us or, or a brother or sister that they're close to. Lord, we pray that your faith continues to move, continues to grow in spite of whatever's happening around us. There is a consistency in being able to stand in Jesus in every day. And we praise you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.